Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Romans 12 and verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, let's say this together, all right? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Amen. Tonight I want to talk to you and teach on this thought, modesty matters. Modesty matters. God has placed us in a place where we must live within limits. We are not just free to do whatever we want, uh, though we are free in God's grace and mercy, He has limits, and we know that as modesty. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. I pray, God, that you would help us, Father, to speak, Lord, and to teach as you would have us. Let it be, Lord, encouraging, enlightening, and strengthening to your people. Lord, and if we are having problems with modesty, help us, Lord, to reaffirm that tonight, that we would honor you in Jesus' name, let everybody say amen. amen. God bless you. You can be seated. The world among us and around us is unraveling. Uh, it, it, disorder is now the norm. Authority today and institutions that once were revered mean nothing. Order means nothing. You know, I think that we, we can look at the whole concept, though it may be politically active for some, but the defunding of the police is really more than just simply a discussion of politics. It's really about understanding some of the spirit behind it. Law and order has moved into the state of Political expediency. It's now buzzwords to fight. Actually fight over who is more law and order or less law and order. And what do we do about law and order. Outrage has become the rage of the day. Hearts are, 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 are people just blow up at things and aggravated and angry about so much. At the heart of all of this is a dangerous disorder. The Bible calls it lawlessness and iniquity. The concept of order and self-governance has given away to, I want my way, I want to have what I want, and so it is now chaos and lawlessness. Lawlessness is the essence of sin that represents a self-assertion that says, I know better than God. I know better than God. Amen. One writer writes, the lawlessness is that assertion of self-will in defiance of God's standard that is the essence of sin. Today, it's not just about defunding the police or law and order. That's the question. And, and whether we're going to be a land that continues of law and order. The, the difficulty is and the problem is... 
that we have a society that is saying no to the laws of God. No to the laws of God. Newport J.D. White wrote like this in the Expositor's Greek. He said, To what degree soever we allow the love of Christ to operate as a controlling principle in our life, to the degree we are delivered from lawlessness as an opposing controlling principle. Lawlessness sets in the thought that I can live after my own ideas and make them superior to God. My idea, my lifestyle, superior to God's. Lawlessness says God may demand this, but I prefer to do this. Lawlessness says God may promise it, but I don't want it. Lawlessness replaces God's law with a contrary desire that says I want to be a law unto myself. Don't tell me what to think. I'll be a law unto myself. Don't tell me to think truthfully. If I feel something different, I'll be a law unto myself. Lawlessness is rebellion against the right of God to make laws to govern his creatures. 1 John 3 and 4 puts it like this. As the writer says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. It's not talking about Old Testament law. It's talking about God's law. God's moral law. God's ethical law. God's law about family. God's law about life. God's law about things like lying, cheating, and stealing. Amen. Jesus came to take away sin and to restore divine order. But those who refuse that order choose rather to live in lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Those who habitually, habitually commit sin are really committing acts of lawlessness. Another word that is given to this thought and concept is the word iniquity. How many of you have been reading your Bible and you come across that word iniquity and, and you think, really, what is that about? That's not a word that we don't use very often here. But iniquity is the condition of being without law. Iniquity is the condition of being without law. It is a contempt and a violation of law. That is the heart of iniquity. Paul said that the mystery of iniquity is working now. The mystery of iniquity is working now. When he writes in 2 Thessalonians and he's talking about the Antichrist that is coming, he calls him the man of sin. That word there is the same as iniquity, lawlessness, the son of lawlessness. Amen. The mystery of iniquity is at work and is against the divine order which God has set in place. Iniquity is essential direct rebellion against God. We wink at rebellion today, but the Lord writes that rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. When we go against God's law, we are opening ourselves and embracing that which is, which is witchcraft, that is iniquity, that is against God's law. Iniquity then is direct rebellion, not rebellion against the civil law or a state law or a national law. It is not rebellion against the police or committing the, someone committing violent crime. The mystery of iniquity goes deeper than that. It is the rebellion of, and rejecting of truth. The rejecting of truth. The original tack on man in the, in the Garden of Eden was this. If you, if you sin, if you go against God's law, you will not be punished. That's in essence what the serpent was saying to Eve. If you go against God's law, you will not be punished. And so today we have a whole generation of rebels, of lawlessness, that is stand up and say, I'm going to live how I want to, I'm going to do whatever I want to, and because God does not immediately judge them, and because when they do something that is out of the law of God, they're not automatically struck down by lightning, they begin to think, well, it must be okay. It must be okay. 
In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul goes further in dissecting and revealing to us this concept of iniquity and lawlessness. He says in verse 10, And with all deceitfulness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved, For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. The law says you're to love truth. Truth stands against lawlessness. Truth is the answer to lawlessness. And the Lord said, because they receive not a love, a passion for what is true, amen, they come under a seductive delusion. They come under a strong delusion, one who is led astray from the white way, one that roams hither and thither. That's what a delusion is. It is mental strain. It is an error, amen. We have developed a concept in our world today that is based upon victimology, that if I have been hurt bad enough then I have right to do what I want to do. Victimology is that I've been through this, so I have the right to act in a way that I want to act. I have been so deeply hurt. I have been so deeply wounded. I have had this taken from me. Therefore, I have a right to go bust a window, grab a TV that doesn't belong to me, and, and, and take it to my own, amen, and I'll put it in my house. But when somebody comes and steals it from me, I'm going to call the police. That's delusion. That's delusion. It is an error that shows itself in an action, a wrong mode of acting, an error, a deceit, a fraud. There are some slogans and hashtags which have noble and good thought behind them. But often the movement behind them is really rebellion against the laws of God. I'll say that again because I don't want you to catch what I'm saying. Sometimes the slogans and the hashtags that we see in our world today may have noble good. But often when you begin to dive into the uh, movement of that hashtag, there is a rebellious nature against God. When they stand and it's against the family and, the, and that the family is no longer prescribed by God to be what God says, but what they decide, that's lawlessness. It matters how we view God and his law. The Apostle Paul tells us that there is going to be a day where lawlessness is ruling and reigning. At the heart of it is that man has said no to God's order. 1 Corinthians 14 and 13. 1 Corinthians 14 and 13. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Somebody say peace. As in all churches of the saints. Listen to me this evening. The area of your life that is ruled by confusion and chaos is an area that shows where you are not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Wherever there is something in your life that is just constantly confusion and peace is not in that. Amen. That means that somewhere something is out of order. A good way to figure out how to get that back in order is to say, God, let me line up to truth. Let me line up to... You be Lord of that area of my life. It may be your finances. It may be a relationship. It may decisions are are something that, that is out completely out of God's order. It's about getting back in order. When I get in order, I get in peace. When I struggle for peace, but I'm not in order, I can't have peace. But when I will get in line with God, when I will line up to his word, and I make him the lordship of my life, and I submit my life to his word. I heard a message the other day of a a preacher, a Pentecostal apostolic preacher talking about casting out a devil. This woman had a devil and he was working with her and, and, and people had been trying their best to cast that devil out. And he stopped and he said to the woman, 
He said, I want to know, will you submit your life to the Lordship and the word of Jesus Christ? That whatever the word says, you'll do it. And the devil spoke out of the woman and he said, shut up, I want to talk to the woman. And that woman, by her own accord, said, yes, I will. It wasn't just a few minutes when she said, I will submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That devil had to flee. There are things in your life and my life that torment us. But if we will submit that to the Lordship of Christ, if we will submit that to the Word of Christ, amen, all of a sudden what comes in is not torment and chaos, but peace. God is not the author of confusion. God is not the author of confusion. He said that in verse 33. Then he continues in verse 40. And he says, let all things. Say all things. Let all things be done decently and in order. If you study this whole chapter, and we talked about it in the context that it is, he's talking about spiritual gifts, he's talking about tongues, and he's talking about the different kind of gifts, that it must be in order. But this is also a principle that is in play in every area of our life. God wants things to be without confusion and done decently and in order. The word decently means something uh, uh, that is the, the manner which something is done. Follow the word to its etymology and you will, you will find that it means fashion. Amen. Which strikes the sense of the figure, bearing, discourse, action, manner. When we say decently, it is how it looks on the outside. It matters how I look on the outside. Y'all knew I was going to get to modesty in a minute, didn't you? It matters how what I do on the outside appears. Not just how I look, but what I do on the outside. It matters how I represent my God to my community. It matters. That's, that's going to be an understanding of modesty. It's in order. Do it decently. And then he said, in order. That is about the character and the quality of how it is done. Decently has to do with how it looks. Order has to do with how it functions. Decently deals with the presentation. Order deals with the purpose. Decently speaks of obedience. Order speaks of submission. God said, this is how I want things to be done. Decently and in order. It calls us to deliberate and clear actions that call out, amen, the purpose and the truth of God. Look at the creation. Look at the heavens. Look at the world. How that our God created it with order. He created the human body with order. The function of the cells, order. When it gets out of order, when the cells go rogue, it becomes cancer. Look at the universe. Look at what God has created. Everything he did is based upon order. The heavens declare the glory of God and reveal the order of a God who arranges things in proper alignment. The tabernacle is a divine picture of order and arrangement. The furniture has specific purpose and place. Every sacrifice, amen, is following a prescribed order and purpose. Every aromatic cloud of incense that rises from the altar of incense, every loaf of bread, every function of the priesthood speaks of God's design for order. Amen and clarity. The New Testament church is not founded. I know that people think that because you're Pentecostal that everything's out of order. We're all speaking in tongues and we're all just, you know, we're the crazy guys. I'm telling you, no. God has an order in the early church. The early church was set in order. God arranges his plan and purpose through the functional authority of the church, of the family, of the husband and the wife. God is a God of order. In Romans 13 and 1, it said, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power, there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Part of the wrong attitude in seeking positions today is that people want a position, but they don't want to submit to God's divine order. People often seek for power, but not submission. But God doesn't flow through 
some appointed position of power, but he flows through submission. All power comes from God. No power, amen, is just simply from man. No man is in authority, but all are under authority. Hallelujah. The powers that be are ordained of God. They are placed by God. They are arranged by God. They are set in place by God. One cannot profess submission to God and not submitted to his delegated authority. So it comes to our text. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. The opposite of worldliness is modesty. Say that again. The opposite of worldliness is modesty. The antithesis of modesty in the sense of the Greek word cosmias is not immodesty, but rather worldliness. Modesty is how we set limits in our life. Modesty is how we follow the order that God has for us. Modesty is putting a regulator on our mouth. Modesty is putting a, a, a check on our act, attitude and on our appearance. Modesty says, I will submit to the limits that God has for me. I'm not going to go beyond them. Well, God says, I can't do this and I can't go beyond that. Well, I think I will because I know better. Has anybody been to Stone Mountain, Georgia? Any folks been to Stone Mountain, Georgia? It is one of the United States' great wonders. If you ever fly into Atlanta, you, chances are you're going to see this great big boulder. It's a chunk of rock. It's the world's largest piece of exposed granite. This mountain, this rock, has a grade of descent that is gradual at its top but it leads quickly to a sheer drop-off. People have been lulled by the deceptive grade and plunged to their death when they suddenly reach the point of no return. The park's authorities solved the dilemma of people going over the edge by installing a fence not at the point of the grade, but rather away from that where it begins. There is a, a place before... It begins the quick descent. In 2013, a 35-year-old grad student from Emory University plunged 600 feet to his death after crossing one of these protective fences at the top of the mountain. The park officials said the mountain is very deceiving. That's why we have the fence where we do. The mountain is very deceiving. He said, you can start over and it doesn't look that steep. But when you stop and turn around, the mountain is very steep. The park ranger said the man fell from a very steep area on the wrong side of the fence. The further you go, the steeper it gets. You see, modesty matters. It matters where you set limits in your life. Not because it looks so bad, amen, but rather there is a gradient to sin. There is a gradient to lawlessness. That at the beginning, it doesn't look like much. I can do this and I'm okay. And I, but we, we get the idea that I can just turn around at any time and go back to safety. But modesty says, wait a second, stay on this side of the fence. Get some limits in your life. Have some order in your life. Say no to some things. Say no to some things that you watch. Say no to some things that you talk about. Say no to some things you put on your body. Say no to some things that you come into your mind and out of your mouth. Say no to some things about how you handle your money and your business. That's what modesty is all about. But the world, on the other hand, is say, live how you want to. Live what you want to. Amen. Live like exactly like you like. That's why Paul said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed where? by the renewing of your mind. The question for today is that who sets the standard for apparel and fashion today? Who sets that? Is there an apostolic somewhere leading the fashion charge that I don't know about? Please let me know. 
But the world sets the standard. The mentality of the world sets the standard. Those that are enemies of the cross set the standard of how we are supposed to look according to the world. Who do you think influences Hollywood? Is, is the church influencing Hollywood? Or is the Hollywood influencing the church? Who? That's why I mean it's important that we understand that modesty matters. Putting limits on our life matters. It's not to crimp our style. It's to save our soul. It's not to hinder us. Oh, you can't do this and you can't do that. No, it's because I understand that behind the magazine periodicals, behind the entertainment hype, and behind the programs, the men that tell us you've got to wear something that is flimsy and, and, and shows a lot of skin and, and dress in a certain way, wear these kind of, of pants, wear these kind of sunglasses, wear this kind of cologne. Amen. It, 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 it begins to wear at us because uh, uh, of the world that constantly pushes to us and say, you got to be like this. Amen. you got to look like this. But I want to tell you, here's what I've learned in my, my, my years of pastoring is that you can look good and you can even be uh, 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 presentable in the eyes of anybody and still be modest and still be uh, uh, holy and still have limits in your life. The advertising industry wants you to buy what they're selling. But they have a hidden agenda. The message is, don't be like Christ. But on the other hand, Paul says, don't be conformed by this world, but be transformed. Somebody say transform. R. Kent Hughes in his book, Set Apart, writes this. He said, Calvin Klein led the way in promoting a drugged-out cocaine cheek as pale, skinny, adolescent men and women posed in jeans, some with their flies unzipped, in various poses of strung-out lanker. Today, Abercrombie and French is the leader in the marketing of lewdness. At the heart of their marketing strategy is their quarterly catalog for which the company charges customers and requires the buyer's proof of being 18 years old for their advertisements. Sure, he goes on to say, to make younger customers want to find a way to get it. Catalogs are, are light on the nice but rather suggestive and provocative in their group photos and interviews with porn stars in their catalogs. Of course, the catalogs sell out quickly, Mr. Hughes writes. I want to tell you today, unless you have a me mentality in your heart, when you walk into a, a store that could even be something of a, of a normal nature, of a, of a Walmart or a JCPenney, and you walk up there and you say, this is what I'm going to wear, you have to say in your mind, who is selling this and telling me that I've got to look a certain way to fit in? Not only is it about the wear, it's about the body. We, we battle our body. Our image is about, well, you've got to look a certain way. Your body's got to be a certain shape. And, and you've got to have certain this before you will ever amount to anything, before you'll be worth anything. Who is selling this? It's not coming from the portals of glory, but rather it's coming from the pits of hell that wants us to be confused about our identity. That's why when you find somebody that is Holy Ghost filled and somebody that's living with modesty, they don't care what people think they look like. Amen. It is just simply, I am going to give glory to God because modesty matters to me. Modesty matters to me. It's interesting that this Greek word for modesty that we find mentioned, it is interpreted in the King James modest only one place, but it is rendered a, a different way 
and a couple other places in Matthew 25 and 7, where it says, Then all those virgins, virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. Remember the story of the five wise and five foolish virgins? And it talks about those that trimmed their lamps. Exactly the same word, trimmed, is the same word used for modesty. What is he saying? Get ready. Set your lamps ready. Be ready. Cut some things off. Set it so it's ready to burn. Amen. Be ready. Be, be attentive. Be modest. Hallelujah. In, in James 4 and 4, it says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whoso therefore be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Our world today is in, 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 at odds with God. Gunsmoke used to be all we had to preach against. Anybody remember that? The six million dollar man. I'm going to find out who you are. I'm telling you today, there is a move to shake One's fist in the face of God. And so we're doing battle against fashion industry, against uh, 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 the business industry. We're doing battle against the beauty industry. Uh, the beauty that says that you've got to have a certain amount of this on your face and a certain amount of that on your arm, and you've got to have a certain amount of this look and that look. Amen. No longer is just enough to have to talk about makeup and, and the issues with makeup and, and wearing eyeshadow. And now all of a sudden it's about you've got to have this surgery and that surgery, and you've got to have this added on to you and that cut away from you. When you look in the mirror, I want you to say this, dear one. I am a child of God. I am redeemed by the Lamb. Amen. He is who He has made me and I'm thankful. Now you may have a face like mine. Yelp is looking for help. Get a direction right here. I, I can show you how. You just I'll make you a map for anything with all these wrinkles I've got. But I got every one that I earned. I lost every hair upon my head with purpose. Hallelujah. Amen. So, so I, I, I've come to understand I am who I am. I don't have to pretend to be anything else. Yes, I want to be healthy. I'm not talking about that. Yes, I want to take care of my body. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about feeling who I am and important to who I am by what I wear because of what this world says. Modesty. Is at war with the world. First John 4 and verse 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And we stop. But it continues. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. What is that? Are you following God or following the world? Is the world set my agenda? Praise God. Modesty doesn't see how close I can get to the world, look like the world, live like the world. But modesty says, I want to get as close as I can to God. Modest. We talked about this recently, but I'm going to revisit the verse in 1 Timothy 2 and, and verse 8. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, in like manner also that women adorn themselves. Somebody say adorn. adorn. Listen to this verse very carefully because we've thrown the baby out with a bathwater sometime. A woman adorned themselves in modest apparel. With shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broidered hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Here's what the writer Paul is talking about. It is an attitude. 
It is an attitude that expresses an outward behavior. Everyone is called to have a good attitude, but there's something unique about a lady that has the attitude of modesty and then adorns herself appropriately with that. Amen. It's not about being homely. I wish I had three ladies that would have said amen real loud. It's not about being homely and how haggard you can look. There's some that work very hard at that. But rather, it is that we adorn, that ladies are to adorn themselves because of what is in the inside. If what is in the inside comes out, you'll see who they are. Amen. It is about the attitude. Shamefacedness is is about having an attitude of honor, of reverence. Amen. To the authority of God. That's what shame facing is. It comes from the root word that means to turn the eyes. Amen. Away to divert. Dressing in the matter of modesty means that a lady clothes themselves. Amen. Not with the first thing that grabs their attention, but rather, does this fit my inner beauty? Does it, is it who I am? I love what Brother Seth said he told his daughter. He said, it's the ugly women that have to put on makeup. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> Amen. Uh, but Seth, if you're watching, I didn't get a permission, but it sure is good. Shamefacedness represents a modest attitude. Sobriety. Sobriety comes from a Greek word, sophrosun, which means soundness of mind, soundness of judgment, curbing one's impulse, temperate, self-control, modest, modest. Modest is not weak. Modest is not just giving in. Modesty looks like this in a teenage girl that some boy says, Something, he wants to do something that he shouldn't do. Here's what modesty does. Uh, will you help me out a little bit? Take your right hand. Caitlin, just hold it up like that. Okay, modesty is the right hand slapping across the left side of his face. That's, that's modesty. Amen? What are you doing? You're setting limits. No, no. Oh, no, no, no. I'm better than that. I'm worth more than that. So here's modesty meeting you. Praise God. Some of y'all are going to be so excited when my back quits hurting because I feel like I have a little edge to me in preaching because of my back. Somebody say amen. Yeah, I know you felt, felt that way. <clears throat> Modesty is, is important about your attitude before it is the appearance. Attitude before it is appearance. Peter picks up the, 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 the torch dealing with modesty in 1 Peter 3 and 3. He said, Who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting of hair, wearing of gold, and putting on of apparel. Paul had just written in 1 Timothy 2 and 9, Not what broided hair, gold, or pearls, or, or costly array. How does this relate to us today? Paul's addressing the early church, the first century church. How does that What does this say for us today? Paul and Peter are writing under divine inspiration by God. Not their thoughts, but divine inspiration of God. All scripture is God-breathed. And so what they write about modesty is God-breathed. Not bigoted, driven. Here's what modesty needs to ask today. Is this adornment, this apparel, appropriate attire for this moment, right now? Is this appropriate for right now? You don't wear a tuxedo to a barn raising. It looks good, but it's not modest. Why? 
it doesn't fit the proper attire. Okay? But neither do I wear my PJs to a funeral. It doesn't fit modest attire. Am I, am I being modest with trying to attract, I'm trying to choose my word carefully, inappropriate attention to myself? If what I'm wearing attracts inappropriate attention to myself, am I being modest? I am going to really jump out on my limb. This is not pastor, this is me. I have an issue with folks that will not wear jewelry, but wear a dress that's totally sequin covered. I'm stepping over here. This is me. This is me. Okay? You see, something's not right when we, when we, we spend an abnormal amount for an item that doesn't match our culture. It would be totally immodest of me to go buy a $3,000 pair of shoes unless I was, I was crippled and had to have them. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's about being modest. It's about being modest and having limits. Mm. Oh, thank you, Lord. Ask myself this question. Am I dressing to cause someone to look at me with inappropriate glares? Ladies, are you dressing in a way to grab attention of a man? I'm not going to go down that road very far, but I'm just going to leave it right there. The word modesty is the word that means decent, well-arranged, orderly, harmonious, decorated appropriately. Decorated. Do you know who is somebody that in my mind, when I think about modesty, comes to my mind, who is decorated appropriately? Was Sister Wallace. Was there... eh, she was classy in every situation. Modest, but still appropriate. Amen. Modest is to set things in arranged order, to decorate properly. Amen. To be properly arranged. Modesty placed limits on external appearances. That's what modesty does. It emphasizes internal character rather than out external fashion. Modesty provides lasting value, not temporary trends, but lasting value. Modesty is what God treasures, not what the world treasures. Modesty lives, leaves rather a grand heritage, a grand heritage of those that have gone before us who at this time, their style may be out of of date. But they went by way of the grave that they consistently lived and dressed the same way. That's modest. Praise God. And and, and again, allow me to jump off on my my limb. I turned 60 this year. You can say, oh, thank you. I turned 60 this year. There's some clothes that I just can't wear. If you see me stand up with a tight pair of skinny jeans, that's not modest. (laughs) The problem is most most young folks with tight skinny jeans, most of these young guys with tight skinny jeans are not modest either. It's like we... we (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Y'all got me comfortable now. We're in it. We're in, we're in this. It's like we can't get the difference between baggy pants that are three sizes too big or skinny jeans that are three sizes too small. Pick a lane. But modesty keeps us from being obsessed about fashion and appearance. Modesty causes one to shy away from being ostentatious and showy and putting on airs. 
Modesty expresses what God is doing on the inside, on the outside. Modesty is not just about my attire or about my attitude. It is also about my mind and my mouth. I need to be modest of mind and mouth. The psalmist said, I thought on my ways and turned my feet under thy testimonies. The writer of Proverbs said in 4 and 20, My son, attend to my words, incline thy ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thy heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Modesty is also in my heart and what I think. Amen. No wonder Paul said, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. The word renewing means a renovation. Transformation occurs by the Holy Spirit coming into our mind and renewing our thinking. The world wants to conform us. Squeeze us into a mold. That's what that word means. But the Spirit of God wants to transform us, taking us from one thing to another thing. The world wants us to squeeze us into their mentality and their thinking and their system and their ideas. But God wants to take us by His Word and His Spirit and transform our mind so that we will know what is the good, the acceptable, and perfect will of God. Somebody say process. It is the process of God working in our mind that we begin to see, oh, I see better the will of God. I'm okay over here in the good, but as I grow, I begin to find the acceptable. And as I continue to grow, the perfect will of God. It only comes through a renewed mind. The world that we are fighting today is promises something, but it's poison. It is poison. Look at first or Second Peter rather chapter two and verse nineteen. Second Peter two and nineteen. While they promise liberty, which is what the world does. The world promises them liberty. They themselves are servants of corruption, of whom man is overcome. Of the same is he brought in bondage. For if after they had escaped the pollution of the world. Through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. What we must come to the realization is that we buy the truth and we hold on to the truth and we live the truth and we live modesty because if we let it go, we might be in a worse state beyond what we could think when we return. Verse 21 again, for it hath been better for them to have not known the way of righteousness than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her waller in the mire. Modesty begins to say, Lord, I want the world to say, Look at God in me rather than look at me in the world. Look at the God in me rather than me in the world. Modesty says, I submit to the will of God. Lawlessness says, I want my way, my way, my way. And God, you can go on with yourself. Our mouth sends a message. Our attitude sends a message. The way we talk and the way we think is about modesty. Amen. We need to govern our mouth as well as our our dress. Why? We're billboards. You are a billboard. In Medora, you are. here's the blessing of Medora, is that if you run off and do something, everybody in town is going to know it. Do you realize that while we, just while we were passing here, it's been years ago, but, but, but I have had principals call me and tell on some of our students, because they were doing something that was against what our church had taught. Against what our church had taught. Y'all knew that? Did you know that I got spies in the school? The point is, everywhere I go, I'm a billboard. 
And the way that I live in church needs to match the way that I live in the community. Stand with me, please. Modesty matters. Modesty matters. Instead of saying, what little can I get away with? What can I get away with? I'm going to make sure that my, my hymns are at a certain place, just so they're just, just you know, right, right there. What can I get away with? Or we can say, by God's grace, I want to look holy and righteous. Hallelujah. Not because of what the world says, but because, Lord, you are my king. And I want to be a billboard for your glory, an ambassador for your glory, and have modesty so that people could say, there goes the child of God. There goes the child of God. There goes the child of God. Thank you, Lord. The real meat of my message is modesty lives in the world, but not of the world. Modesty lives not just in church one way, but lives it, amen, when they are in the world. Live it before the people you work with. Live it before the people you go to school with. Live it before the people you shop with. Amen. Why? I am a light. I am a light unto the world. We are called to be salt. We're called to be salt. But if the salt, Jesus said, has lost its savor, it's no good. It's no good. Amen. Let's just take some Thank you for listening to the MPC Podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.